All right, good morning, everybody. Nice and warm and balmy out there today. Yeah, no. Uh, obviously, I'm wearing our shorts, my shorts today, our bathing suit, because uh, today we are celebrating our baptisms, which we are super excited about. Had an amazing uh, experience during our 930 service. And so um, before, we, before we jump in, I, I just want to pray. I just want to remind us again, uh, all of us, like I need to click back in and remind myself that every time that we gather together in this place, God is saying to me, I, I, I'm there. And he knows you. And he really loves you and cares deeply about you. And one of the coolest things, again, is, is while we're here this morning, God literally says, I want to speak to you. So you're going to have thoughts that are coming to come inside your head. Sometimes you're going to be thinking about it, but then sometimes thoughts are literally going to come to you. And that's how God works. And he, Jesus told us, we actually live on every word that comes from him. So, so I just want to pray for all of us that, he, that we would be open to that. And secondly, I also want to pray because uh, yesterday I dropped my middle schooler off and it was absolute chaos because all our middle schoolers are actually on their retreat this weekend. And uh, it was a boatload. Let me tell you, man, it was a caravan of cars and vans of parents and volunteers who are taking our middle school kids uh, up to Big Canyon Ranch. And so while, while we're gathered here together, they're gathering up there for the whole weekend. And so let's just pray and let's ask God's blessing on our time and on theirs. So God, uh, we just thank you for this, for this day. It's a new day, and you tell us your mercies are new every morning. Um, as the scriptures tell us, this is a day the Lord has made. We will rejoice, and we will be glad in it. And so, God, I just want to thank you for being here, and I want to ask that you might take this moment that we gather together and that you would anoint these words, that you would actually bless your word, that you would open the eyes of our heart, I'm going to ask personally, God, would you just give me the grace to be clear and articulate today so that what I say makes sense? And then, but really what we need is to hear from you. So Lord, would you open up the eyes of our heart? Would you open us and give us ears that are willing to hear your word, which gives us life? And then Lord, man, we just lift up all our middle school students to you. And just, I really ask that they would hear from you too. I pray that they would know how much you love them. I pray that they would find their security in you, their identity in you. And I also ask that you would give them great friendship. I pray that they would connect with each other while they're on this weekend away. And we thank you so much for all of the adult volunteers who have gone and poured out themselves this weekend to pour into our kids. And so we just ask your blessing on them, and we ask your blessing on us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So um, I've learned something about my family. My family loves to do jigsaw puzzles. How many of you guys actually love to do jigsaw puzzles? Okay, wow, like way more than first service, okay. Um, how many of you don't really dig jigsaw puzzles? Okay, that, that would be me. So, but I, because I love my family this Christmas, I got them a puzzle. And it's hilarious to me. I mean, my wife, and, and especially my daughter Ashlyn, those two, once they get around this chaos on the table, they are fixated with it. So I asked her, I said, Susie, what is it about jigsaw puzzles that you love so much? And she says, you know, it's that fascination that when you find two pieces that finally fit together out of that whole mass, and it just gives you hope that we can actually do this. She said, because, and I said, well, is putting together a puzzle ever frustrating? Because that's what it is to me. It's just frustrating. She goes, it's frustrating every time. I'm like, then why are you doing this? <laughs> but she said, but every time we do a puzzle, she goes, we always think that somebody has stolen a piece, 
that it didn't get put in the box, that it's down on the floor because we can't find the piece. And she goes, and then we work and we work, and then later, like hours, days later, it's like, oh, there it is. And it finally comes together. And she said, and when it comes together, she goes, it's weird. It's almost like there's hope, like anticipation that we can do this. We can do this. I was reading a guy years ago, and he said that, you know what, life is a lot like a jigsaw puzzle. Every time we're trying to figure out how this thing comes together, what's going to work? And we work at things. We take pieces, and we try, and they don't work, and we think that somebody has lost it. There's nothing seems to work to put these things together, and life can be super frustrating. But then every once in a while, you get two pieces, and they fit. And once they fit, you're like, this is it. It works. And then he said, but what's interesting is we try to figure out how to put the puzzle of life together. And then he said, but when you receive Christ, and this is, this is what the Bible says if you're here investigating or wondering about Christianity. The Bible says that we can literally have a reconciling with God and that we can receive Christ. And he said, when you do that, it's like somebody finally gives you the top of the box to the puzzle. Can you imagine trying to put together a puzzle if you didn't have the picture? <laughs> and he said, but this is what Jesus does. Jesus is the picture to the puzzle of life so that we can actually see what it is that we're trying to do. He said this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. But you know what's amazing is you don't actually have to follow Jesus to get some pieces together. Every human being is trying to get some things together. And when you do, it just works. Because the truth is just the truth. And so this guy, John Fisher, he wrote a book years ago. And, I was in, and it just intrigued me. And it, it's funny because it was 30 years ago. And I still remember this one chapter. And he said he, he hated to work. He just was never inspired to work. His, life, his wife loved to work, but he didn't. And then one day, and he was this big national Christian leader, and he's painting his house, and he's straddling all this furniture, and he's trying to paint the corners. And then all of a sudden, on the radio, comes a Mick Jagger tune. And the Mick Jagger tune is called Let's Work. Anybody ever know that song, Let's Work? Yeah, a couple of you. So I, I went and I looked at the words, and he said what was amazing was that as a follower of Christ and this Christian leader, that it was Mick Jagger's words to that song <laughs> that actually inspired him about the truth of work. And his whole point was, you guys, you just need to understand, anybody on this planet can actually put some pieces together. And when you put the pieces together that are of Christ, it works. And so instead of having, he called it, these dualistic bifocals where we go, we have the secular, secular life and we have our, in our, our Christian life. And that the only spiritual experiences you can have are in this room or at your Bible study. or what, That's not true. Truth is all around us. And we can get better pictures of God and better understandings of Jesus if we will open our eyes to the truth that's just around us. E. Stanley Jones is one of my favorite authors right now. He was a a missionary in India in the early 1900s. And this is what he says. He says, when God created all things, he made them to work in a certain way. And that's why, for me, all of nature is so glorious and it's so beautiful 
because it works. It's in line because God created it to work that way. And then he says this, if there's a way, if the way is written only in the scriptures, then a battle is precipitated around the authority of the scripture. The foundation authority is limited to the scripture. It's not broadly based in the nature of reality. So do you hear what he's saying? He's going, if God created a way, then is that way not only found in the Bible? He goes on to say this. Suppose the way is written in the nature of reality as well as in the scriptures. Then the way is inescapable for everybody. For if you are not impressed with the authority of the scriptures, then you will be impressed with the authority of life. And why is this important? Because I just think, you guys, in our world today, people are so skeptical of the Bible. You guys know this? <laughs> like Many Christians even today are like, I don't know if I really trust the Bible. And it's like, okay, well, if we only can validate the truth from the scriptures then there's going to be a ton of people who are going to never actually believe. But what he's saying is, you don't have to just validate it in the scripture. You can validate it with life. Because God created the way in the fabric of the way that world works. I would say one of the best experiences I had of this was when we were moving out here 15 years ago. Uh, There was a business book that had just, just been published before we moved out, and it was called Good to Great. Anybody know that? Anybody read that book, Good to Great? It was phenomenal, and I I literally, it's a business book, but the whole time I'm reading it, I felt like God was saying to me, do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? There's just truth in here that's gonna help you be the best leader that you can be. And so our staff right now is actually going through this book, and it's called The Culture Code. And it's very similar to Good to Great. The author is Daniel Coyle, and what he did is he actually went around, and he For four years, he visited and he researched some of the world's most successful groups, the Navy SEALs, inner city schools, comedy troops, and a basketball team. And what he found was this. I just want to read the beginning of why why he did this. And this will kind of, excuse me, launch us in. He says, group culture is one of the most powerful forces on the planet. We sense its presence inside successful businesses, championship teams, and thriving families. And we sense when it's absent, and we sense when it's toxic. And then he says, we all want strong culture in our organizations, our communities, and our families. We all know that it works. We just don't know quite how. And you guys, all of us have had that experience. You've been in a group situation and you can just tell it works. And it could have been a job that you've had. Sports teams are like this. Families, certain families just, it's working and others don't. And he says, you can all sense it. And here's what I know about all of us in this room. You want it, don't you? We all want our group cultures to work. And then he says, you can tell when it's happening. We just don't know Why? How do we actually do this? So he studied these companies for four years to figure out what they brought to the culture. And as we were reading this book as a staff, there's one chapter in here that just hit me so much. And it's it's about the San Antonio Spurs. 
the basketball team, and Greg Popovich. No, no, we're not cheering for them. We're just going to learn from them. So there was this writer, and his name is Neil Payne, and he decided to go out and figure out who's the best NBA coach of the modern era. So he developed this thing called wins above expectation, and it simply was this. The number of times a coach's team won a game that measured by their player's skill, they had no business of winning. <laughs> How many times did this team win when there's no way they should have won? The San Antonio Spurs won games with his little metric 117 times they won when they had no business of winning. That's more than double the next nearest team. There's something about the San Antonio Spurs. In fact, the guy named his graft, Greg Popovich, is impossible. Because <laughs> nobody else can do this. Why is it that the San Antonio Spurs are so good for so long? The Detroit Lions need to study about the San Antonio Spurs. Let's just get that out. So, even LeBron James, he says it's because they're selfless. Guys move, they pass, you've got a shot, you take it, but it's all for the team and it's never about the individual. Marcin Gortat from the Washington Wizards says this, playing against the Spurs was like listening to Mozart. What an amazing compliment. See, but here's the thing. So anybody who understands basketball, they all know the Spurs are better. They can all see that they're selfless. They all can see that they play as a team, but the question is, how did they get that way? Every team's trying to draft the best players. And so the guy studied it and he said, well, maybe it's because they only found great team players. Everybody's looking for team players. In fact, the Spurs actually got players on their team when they were on other teams, they were too selfish. And then they come to the Spurs and things change. So the question is, how did Popovich do this? What does he do to create a culture in his group that thrives. And how could you and I do the same thing? Because apparently there's some truth. Apparently he's found two pieces that come together and bring life. Well, his assistant coach, Chip England, put it this way. He said, a lot of coaches can yell or be nice, but what Pop does is different. He delivers two things over and over and over. He'll tell you the truth with no BS, and then he'll love you to death. He tells you the truth with no BS, and then he loves you to death. His quote is this. Apparently, he just says to his coaches all the time, we got to hug them, or we got to hold them. Somehow, professional basketball players, I'm surprised that's what they like. But you got to hug them, and you got to hold them. So the first thing you do when you study him, he goes, he loves them to death. So that means constant encouragement, story after story, where a guy was the reason his game was not up to snuff, and that's why they lost. And then over and over, Popovich is the one who encourages, comes alongside them. He's always touching them. He's always getting close to them, intimate, in their face. He spends a ton of time with them. When he was deciding whether he wanted to draft Tim Duncan, who ended up being one of the greatest players in, in, in NBA history, most coaches go and they spend a few hours in an interview. Popovich went and spent four days with him and they never talked about basketball. You know why? Because he wanted to know him. 
See, he actually spends time. He sets up dinners. They eat and they drink wine together. And, he, and then they talk about things that aren't about basketball to help them realize we're a part of something bigger. And so what happens is these guys join his team and they actually go, he cares about me. He actually knows me. And he's for me. So he loves them to death, but at the same time, he tells them the truth with no BS. In fact, if you go to YouTube and you put in Popovich, that's what you're going to see. His rant and raves, he's got all these signs where people are like, man, he is in their face all the time. But why is he in their face? Because he's for them. Because he can see what they can be and he wants them to be the best player that they possibly could be. You can never reach your full potential unless you have somebody who can help you see where you're not being everything you could be. And then he's not just for them individually, he's for the team. He literally wants the Spurs to win the NBA championship. And so he speaks truth into the team. But the team can receive it because they know that he loves them. I want to tell you, man, in, in sports, lots of times we'll say, man, they're on the road to glory. And I want to tell you, apparently Popovich figured out the pieces of this puzzle that bring life and bring success. But here's what Jesus says. Now let's turn it. Let's go to church now. We're done with basketball. But that's what I'm telling you. That's a truth that any human being can learn from Popovich. And then Jesus comes and he says, I have come so that you could have life to the full. And then he says, and I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. And these two pieces that Popovich put together, when we read this as a staff, immediately I just said, that's just Jesus, man. <laughs> it's just Jesus. So let me show you how what Popovich has figured out, Jesus exemplified and has just told us, as the creator of this world, if you live this way, you win. If you live this way, you're going to win. Okay? And here's the way of glory. John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, the word of God became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, and here it is, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Guys, that's what Popovich was doing. He was full of grace with his team, and he was full of truth with his team. And I, I've said this so many times here, but sorry, I'm going to say it again. It still amazes me that when John, who hung out with Jesus for three years, decided to kick off his gospel and write this down and say, I've seen the glory of the one and only. I'm telling you, I just tell it. The way I am, I would say, I've seen the glory of the one and only. The dude walked on water. The guy fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread. He rose Lazarus from the dead. We've seen the glory of God. That's not what John says. Because we've seen the glory of God. And you know what the most amazing thing is about him? He was full of grace and truth. And I just want to tell you right now, that combination, I am convinced. I studied this so deeply years ago. I am absolutely convinced. When you run into grace and truth, it's the most powerful thing that can happen in a relationship on this planet. And that's what Popovich is doing. The other illustrations in this book, they're creating cultures where the people in these businesses or the Navy SEALs, they connect with each other. And when you connect with each other, you can be a part of something great. So if you want to connect with your spouse, 
If you want to connect with your kids and create a family that's a group culture that thrives, if you want to bring something tomorrow morning on Monday into your workplace and help change the culture, it's what we're trying to do on our staff is figure this out. It's grace and truth. It's the way of glory. So what's grace? It is an, it, the classic definition is it's an undeserved gift. When you give grace, you are actually giving a blessing. You are giving a favor upon somebody. And it, in the Bible, it's always contrasted with debt and works and law. See, I was talking with somebody last week, and they said this like, man, Dave, I, I, yeah, I grew up in the, in the, in the church. I, stuff. He goes, but I hate organized religion. How many of you guys know somebody who hates organized religion? I hear this all the time. One of my favorite things is a guy who actually found faith in Christ here at K2. He said, Dave, man, I, all my friends are like, oh, I can't believe you're going to church. I hate organized religion. He goes, well, go to K2. It's kind of like disorganized religion. So, I love that. But seriously, when, when I told the guy, I said, well, you're in good company because Jesus hated that too. He hated that the fact that people thought to get to God, they had to do works and they had to follow the law, and they had this debt that they had to pay. There was all this pressure on them. And when Jesus came, he goes, I'm full of grace, which is a gift. It's the word translated for gift. I give to you freely. And it makes someone, when somebody gives you grace, you're not giving it to them because they've earned it. That's a wage. Gift, it's grace. And so it causes you to say, no matter what you're doing in our relationship, I am for you and I'm for us. And I will do things for you that you don't deserve. That's grace. But there's truth. And what's truth? It's that which is in accordance with fact or reality. So Jesus also came down and he was like, I am the truth. In fact, at the end of his life, when he was standing in his trial before Pilate, he said, in fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. See, you guys are all, you have this big, huge pile of a billion pieces of your life, and you're trying to figure out what works. In fact, in this book by E. Stanley Jones that I'm reading, he just says, the way most of us find out what works is by discovering what doesn't work. We just keep figuring out, well, that didn't work, that didn't work, and this doesn't work. And then our relationships are falling apart, our hearts are empty, we're searching for something to make us feel better. And Jesus says, I came as the creator of the way to now testify to what is reality. I'm going to tell you the truth. And that combination of Jesus telling us the truth, and at the same time, because who likes to be told the truth? I mean, it is usually painful to hear the truth. But every time Jesus would tell people the truth, it would come with grace. I love you. And so, in essence, Ephesians chapter 2, let me just give you kind of an example of what this means for us. It says, in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, which is, it's all about me, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. See, like who likes to hear that? Who likes to read the Bible and go, what, I'm dead? In my transgressions and sins? Yes, and when you do whatever you want to do, when you follow the, your own flesh, that's actually in opposition to God. It means you're separated from God, and now that means you're actually dead. 
Well, who wants to know that? Why? Well, I tell you what, I remember when my mom got cancer. I was 20, I think I was 22 years old when my mom got cancer. And uh, one of the hardest things for me was that you could see my mom kind of bloating in her midsection. And we would all say, Mom, you really need to go to the doctor. And she's like, I don't want to go to the doctor. And it's like, I know, Mom, but why don't you want to go to the doctor? And she goes, because I don't want to know what's going on in here. Now, here, so here's the point. You can do that, right? You can say, I don't want to know. But that doesn't mean it's not going on in there. Reality is what's happening in there. And so it's actually a gift when you sit in the doctor's office and the doctor tells you, I have to let you know you have cancer. That's the truth. And even though you don't like to hear it, now the doctor can actually provide the healing. See, in Jesus, so the first thing he tells us with truth is, can I just tell you the truth? Here's why you're empty. Here's why you're constantly searching. Here's why your relationships are broken. And then he says this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you are saved. See, here's the beauty. Jesus is going, you guys, you don't follow me. And even when you don't follow me, he goes, that's when I love you. So let's turn this real quick to just human relationships. You guys, I, I seriously don't know, like I said earlier, if there's anything more powerful, and I've shared this with Susie and me, that when somebody else knows the truth about you, when somebody knows everything about you, and they love you, that is the most powerful thing that can happen to a human heart. And I want to tell you, that's, it's the only way to live. Uh, my, my lead pastor that I worked with back in Detroit, he gave this to me, and it was a gift. I, I struggled so much to have mentors in my life, older men, who I felt like would just believe in me, and he was the first guy. And it was crazy to me, it kind of freaked me out, because he would like totally affirm me. And as soon as someone believes in you, and they say the, the truth about who you are, and they, in, in fact, he would do it in public, he'd tell other people about how great I was, and I'm like, ooh, this is pretty cool. <laughs> Because it starts to give you a confidence. And then I'll never forget, one day I walked into his office and he was kind of giving me a download. I said, hey, can you give me some feedback about you know, what, my job here? And I'm telling you, man, he just lit into me. And he just went, he said, well, you're not doing this and you're not doing this and you're doing this. And he just, he told me the truth. This is no lie. I stood on the wall and I just shrunk down and I ended up just sitting on the floor because his truth, because it was true, totally hit me so hard. And you know what he did? He just walked right out the door. <laughs> but you know what happened? I could take what Steve told me, and here's what I knew. He loves me. He wants me. He believes in me. He wants me to become everything that he believes I can be. That's Greg Popovich. He wanted his players to become everything that they could be, so he created a safe place where he, they knew that he was for him. Steve, let me know. I love you, and I am for you. So I'm going to tell you the truth. And I tell you what, when you find someone like that in your life, you can begin to be everything that you were created to be. And that is part 
of the reality when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Grace and truth are two pieces of the puzzle that will change you forever. And it can absolutely be the key to your relationships moving forward. So, but I want to tell you, man, it's hard. Anybody else know how hard this is? It is super hard. It's super hard to hear it. It's super hard to give it. And my brother, again, he said it's like a razor's edge, man. Most people, we like to tell truth because we're just going to stand over here on principle. And other people like to go on grace and go, oh, everything's okay. Because both of those, it doesn't hurt as much. But to tell somebody the truth and tell you, and I'm going to stick with you, and I'm never going to leave you, you're in for some suffering. But it will change your life. And it will change the people around you. So, as I close here, how do we do this? Guys, how can you and I actually be in relationships where we'll tell the truth to people, but when we do, it's in a complete way with nothing but love? There is hope to be able to do this. And here it is, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. So what's the way of glory? Jesus is the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and he is grace and truth combined. And how can you and I live that? You guys, this is the most beautiful thing. The mystery that's been hidden for ages and generations is that you and I are supposed to be connected to God. We were created by him and we were created for him. We were never meant to be trying to figure out how to do this life on our own and we were never meant to have the ability to do it apart from God. And so the beautiful thing, by the way, this is just Christianity in a nutshell. It isn't trying to be better and trying to please God. It's admitting that you can't and then actually receiving Christ in you. It is a spiritual mystery. And what does that mean? When Christ comes inside of you, he says, I give you my spirit. And you know what the spirit is called? In the Bible, Jesus says it over and over again. It's the spirit of truth and it's the spirit of grace. Isn't that interesting? So when you are trying and you can't do it, some of you are like me, okay? Half of us in this room are like me, where you just want to keep the peace. So it's super hard to tell the truth. And if you can't tell the truth in your relationships, you got nothing. That's what I'm learning. But some of you are great truth tellers, right? You go, here it is, baby, deal with it. And there's no love, there's no grace, and you keep doing it over and over again. How can we live in a different way you receive Christ in you. And what does that mean? It means what I shared with you earlier. He tells you the truth. You live apart from me, and you are dead in your transgressions and sins. You are apart from me, and either you can pay for your sin, or you can let me pay for it. The truth is, you're separated from me. But here's the grace. Here's the love. I die for you so that you could be with me. 
So you guys, when, when that spirit, when you receive Christ and Christ comes inside you, you receive all the forgiveness of everything you've ever done wrong. And you know you don't deserve it. You know it. And it's unbelievable that God would actually forgive you of everything you've ever done. And then at the same time, you know that you're loved, that the love God has for you, he just gives to you, and it's not based on what you do or what you don't do. It is by grace, undeserved favor and blessing. And you know what happens? When you receive Christ and he's in you, the spirit of grace is in you, and the spirit of truth is in you. So here's what's going on for me right now. I can hardly get by a day when if I'm not living in truth with someone, the Holy Spirit inside me is going, Nelson, you're not living in truth. Damn it. And for some of you, it's gonna be, hey, Bob, yeah, you said the truth, and there was no grace. And he keeps working and keep challenging me. That's what it means to have Christ in me. And then, let me just say, so how do we get there? What's the path to actually get there? John 7, this is wrong. It says Luke 7. It's actually John 7, 38 and 39. It says this. Whoever believes in me, Jesus says, if you believe in me, as the scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the spirit from whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Okay, let's just look at this. Let me just read it again. Jesus says, if you believe in me, then rivers of living water will flow from within you. And by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. You know, this summer, I was meditating a lot on nature and just the beauty of the truth that God reveals to us in nature. So I was thinking about light. The sun was rising, you know, and I'm thinking about light, and I'm like, what a beautiful, and then in the, in the scriptures, truth and light, it's kind of the metaphor that he uses. Why? Because when it's dark, you can't see. Stuff's around you, and you don't even know it. <laughs> but as soon as the light turns on, you're like, ah, oh, now you know reality. Truth gives you reality. So then I was thinking about living water, the water. And I was like, isn't it interesting that water actually takes two molecules, right? You need hydrogen and you need oxygen. And then Jesus comes along and he says this. Streams of living water can flow from within you. And now, take this. This, is my, this was my own thinking. This is not, this is just, but it was a cool revelation for me. Could it be that living water flowing from within me to you, to my wife, to any of you that I have relationship, could it be that that living water takes two things, just like physical water? And those two things are grace and truth. It's, the Bible says, when he said, you're gonna have streams of living water, he was talking about the spirit that you would receive. And it's the spirit of grace, and it's the spirit of truth. And all summer long, God just kept saying to me, David, he goes, every time you go into a relationship and you're too nice and you're trying to keep the peace and you won't actually live in truth, there's no glory. There's no living water. Your, your relationships are superficial. 
And you guys, if you're the other why, and every time you go in and you've got truth, baby, yep, you just told them. You just turned on the light for them. But there wasn't any love. There was no grace in that. There's no glory in that. But if you and I, and isn't this funny? And Greg Popovich figured this out. He put those two pieces together and he created the most successful basketball team in this generation because it's just true. And I just want to tell you, and how do we get there? Can you throw the verse back up real quick? He says, whoever does what? Just if you believe in me. If you believe in me, then you're going to receive the spirit of God. Jesus Christ is going to be in you And that spirit is going to be constantly moving you to live in grace and truth, and you will live. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to celebrate this. And by the way, because when he says, if you believe in me, that means I got it tomorrow. I got it today. Believe in God and trust him in every encounter and actually live in grace and truth. That's all it is. The application on a very practical level, you guys, for all of us who follow Jesus, is just be truthful, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Live in truth and make sure it's filled with grace. He goes, that is faith. That's trusting me in your relationships. But what we're gonna do here today is it's also, that's how the whole thing begins. How do you get Christ inside you? You believe. If you believe, he says, you will receive. And you will receive forgiveness of all of your sin. The Bible just makes it point blank clear in John chapter 1. If anyone who believes in him, if you receive him, he gives you the right to become a child of God. And in that moment, in that moment, by faith, he says all of your sins are totally wiped out. You get connected to Jesus and Jesus died on the cross for all your sins sin. Okay? So we have this baptism here, and we have a crew, man. I think we have like 15 people today who are getting baptized, which is super exciting. It's going to be fantastic. And by the way, can I, can I just tell you, and this happened again first service, for some of you, as I explain this, and some of you, you sat there, you're like, you know what? I need to, I want to receive the spirit of grace and truth. I want to receive Christ and have all my sins forgiven so that I can be reconciled back to God, so that God will fill me with his spirit, okay? So what's gonna happen in here, right, all you guys, is I'm gonna take you, and I'm gonna ask you that. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, that he's the son of God? And do you believe that he, on the cross, died to forgive you of all of your sins? And are you ready to receive that forgiveness and receive the Holy Spirit? And all of you have already done that. And so here's what's gonna happen, you guys. The word baptism means to dip, okay? So literally, you would take a piece of cloth and you dip it into dye, and that white piece of cloth, when you pulled it back out, is no longer white. It's completely different. Why? Because the dye infiltrates into every fiber of that cloth. And the Bible tells us that Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. So literally, when you go down, it's like the symbolism is being baptized into Jesus' death. He died for your sins. So you never have to pay the price of death. Isn't that good news? See, that is, this is really good news. So you get baptized with complete forgiveness. You are totally forgiven of all your sin. 
But then after Jesus died, he rose again. And you are baptized, and the Bible says the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is living in you so that you can live a new life. You can be free from all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your guilt, and you can have the power inside you now to say no to that life and to say yes to God. This is the greatest thing in all the world, all right? So if any of you, while we're doing these baptisms, if you're sitting there today, we just had some people this morning who were like, oh, that's what happened to me. I, when I got baptized, I wouldn't plan on it. I was in a service like I was actually outside. But all of a sudden, I had new clothes on and, and, and everything, and the Spirit just said, today's the day. You need to receive me. I want you to be my child. Let's get her done. And I did. And that may be you today. Our leadership is right over here. And if you feel like you want to make that decision to receive Christ and receive his forgiveness and receive the spirit of grace and truth so you can live life, then today can be your day. All right? So have I said everything I need to say? Yes. All right? So let's go ahead and let's celebrate our baptisms. And again, if you would like to get baptized today, you can just talk to these people right over here. All right? Let's go for it.